Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Today on the show, we have Brad Shepard. He's the founder of Sugar House Investments and is a multifamily investor in Austin, Texas. We're going to dive into his story, his background. He's actually done real estate for a long time. He's got a lot of uh, information and nuggets for you guys, including advice for folks that are just getting started and some of his stories along the way, some investments that have gone well, some that have gone not so well, and you can learn from those lessons. So I'm excited to dive in. Real quick before we get started, if you want to be notified of upcoming DJE investments of our investments in San Antonio and surrounding areas, and you're not already on our list and in our investor portal, you can just go to the website, djetexas.com, click the button there to set up a quick call with our team, and we will get you squared away so that you can see upcoming investments and we can answer any questions that you have. Secondly, if you want to further your journey as an owner of these projects where you're going to be the one to go run these deals, we've got a great uh, video series for you at apartmenteducators.com. So you can go to apartmenteducators.com and sign up for that video series. There's going to be some great content there for you if you're an aspiring apartment owner. Okay, let's jump into today's episode with Brad. Hey, Brad, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Devin. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So looking forward to digging in about you and your company and Texas and real estate. But before we kind of get into all that, um, I'd love to learn a little bit about your background in terms of, uh, you know, where you're from and, and your career before real estate and how you got into real estate. Maybe you could walk us through that. Sure. Yes, I've been in Texas for about 10 years. My wife and I are both of us are originally from Utah. I don't know where I got the, the original idea of real estate, but somewhere in my high school days, I thought real estate's the way to go. Um, so I went into, uh, into my college days with a leaning towards a finance degree right. with the idea that I would go to uh, down the commercial real estate world. Um, I, I, somewhere in there, I learned about the school down in Arizona called Thunderbird, which you know obviously kicks out a lot of smart uh, international MBAs and they have a really strong commercial real estate program. So that was my plan. That was my plan that I, that I wanted to get involved in. Uh, my junior year of college, I did an internship with a uh, large commercial uh, real estate company up in Seattle, which was fantastic. They, they were developing malls and skyscrapers and doing stuff you know, locally as well as internationally. So that was a blast. Excellent. And I came, back from, you know, I came back from that internship and joined a little startup doing online retail. And all of a sudden, that thing took off. <laughs> this was like 2001. Um, you know, online retail took off. So Totally just went to, down a different path um, and stuck with that company for about nine years. Actually, you know, it started as a student job, just uh, turned into something kind of cool. But uh, so all along that way, you know, I was getting involved in real estate. I picked up my first rental within a few months of, of graduating from, from college. So this is 2002. Um, and then that company I was with, we started doing some real estate stuff, buying some uh, cool properties in some tourist areas. We were renting them out as like essentially Airbnb style before Airbnb existed. Before it was cool. Um, nice. Yeah. So we we're having a good time. Um, and then, you know, we actually did some development, got to do some capital raising, um, got into the hospitality space a little bit deeper and then came to Texas, got into more, some more active uh, versions as well, fix and flipping, wholesaling. And then about three years ago, four years ago, my eyeballs were turned back onto commercial real estate. And so that's where my, my attention has been for the last three or four years. 
Excellent. So you've really got a, a, a really strong background, having seen that stuff from being an intern and seeing massive projects. And sometimes within an industry, there's just getting used to just kind of some of the acronyms and the nomenclature is like a learning curve, especially those of us that have come to investing as adults and don't have this, this family background or whatever. So when you decided to kind of come to multifamily, how much of that was familiar to you already? And, and you understood, you know, cap rates and amortization and and the debt structures and so forth. Yeah. You know, it was, it was kind of a, a relearning for me to, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, in, in my, my finance degree, we were talking about IRR and, and that present value. And then in that internship, I remember sitting down with a guy at his desk trying to help me understand in real world terms what an IRR means. <laughs> right. <laughs> you yeah. know, 20 years ago. Um, and then so coming back into the commercial world, all of a sudden, it's, you know, that same jargon again, cap rates and IRRs. I had to sit there and think again, OK, how, how would I how would I define that? And how would I could I could I explain that to somebody else clearly? I'm still working on that. But yeah, so it was a lot of relearning, to be honest. Um, yeah. But first time applying it for, for myself. That's interesting. I can definitely resonate with that. I remember thinking back to my, when I started investing in real estate, At um, I started thinking back to my college accounting courses. And I just realized like, none of that stuck. I mean, I sat <laughs> right. there and ran Clearly, I got a college degree. I did lots of accounting classes for my business degree, but it was so abstract that it just didn't, it didn't stick. When I started running my own business, putting my own money in it, it was like, okay, now I'm paying attention. And I, right. then I, at that point, I really learned accounting, you know, because there was, uh, uh, it was my money, my houses, my skin in the game. So that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. I, I your skin in the game, that. real world application with your own skin in the game makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah, totally different, totally different. So what has been your um, kind of approach into the multifamily world um, in terms of, you know, markets, what you're looking for, what, you know, kind of what your outcomes were around around this uh, kind of new exploration a number of years ago, getting into multifamily? Yeah, so somewhere, you know, three or four years ago, about four years ago, I started getting kind of tired of these fix and flips and rental issues. Yep. Um, and so it was kind of like the light bulb went off, like, why don't I go back into the commercial space? That's where I wanted to go anyway. How do I do that? Clearly, you know, the time's passed for me to go do anything on the MBA side or go into these large commercial firms. Didn't want to do that. But where could I, where could I play? And yep. I got introduced to an operator here in Texas um, that was raising capital. And that was honestly my first exposure to it, like that I could play in it as a, as a limited partner, passive investor sure. and loved it. And so that, that was my first exposure to it, connected with him, um, contributed some funds to that one, just to just experience it for myself and to see how this would go. Um, learned a lot from that experience that that property did poorly, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. Um, you still, still got my promise returns, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a home run. Um, right. but from there it was, okay, well, how do I get into this? I want to, I want to do this. Um, so I started down the road of, um, connecting with brokers, other operators, uh, trying to evaluate markets, understanding the business a little bit more, but yeah, that, that first involvement as a, as a passive investor for me was, was really, um, educational. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's this like trajectory. I see a lot with operators that, kind of step one as a passive investor, step two, you're some sort of co-GP or you're on the general partnership in some capacity. And then it, you know, step three might be actually stepping out and operating your own deal, but just being in a limited partner, just being a passive investor, if you're new to it, uh, there's, 
I mean, you don't have to do much other than kind of vet the deal right. and, and send the check, but there's, there's a lot of education. You know, you're at that point, you're on the bus. You might now you're not driving the bus, but at least you're on it and you're going to kind of, kind of learn some things. Right. Right. You know, it was just so helpful to see how, how they were communicating to the investors. That one was particularly helpful because it didn't go as planned. It went fairly poorly. It got surprised. It got, it was down South of Houston, it got hit by hurricane Harvey, totally yeah. derailed the plans. Yep. Um, so it was, you know, re really nice to see a, a kind of a bad experience, but at the end of the day, I still have gotten my promised returns on that. Right. And while, while I've got other personal rentals still that are, I'm, I'm suffering because of these, you know, eviction moratoriums during COVID, my passive investments are still just humming like clockwork. Um, so it's just sold me on the idea even further. Yeah. It's multifamily is interesting. Like it, it just can kind of take a beating, right? I mean, COVID this last, you know, in 2020, you know, our portfolio just kind of chugged along. We, we, it was definitely scary when it started, but looking back, it, it wasn't that impactful, not to minimize, you know, lots of uh, suffering that's obviously happened, but as a portfolio, it, it, it did very well, you know, in downturns, it terms to, right. tends to do well. And, um, that's kind of what we've been preaching for years is like multifamily is fairly resilient. Even you have a project that goes poorly. Um, there's just something special about having a whole lot of revenue come in every month, right. <laughs> even if yep. it's not perfectly optimized, <laughs> you know, you got that money coming in every month, which, which lets you kind of, uh, get through the, the tough times. Right. Right. You know, we have a, we have a property in, um, or Orlando. I mean, to your point, COVID hit, we were all surprised. We, we for a couple of our properties, we paused distri distributions yep. just to be safe. We learned yep. a few months in, we didn't actually need to, and we were able to catch right back up, but our, you know, our, our poorest performing asset right there in or Orlando, it was, it was a, a lot of tenants. There were college students and workers for uh, a Disney world. And so when, <laughs> when colleges shut down and Disney world shut down, oh, all of yeah. a sudden our, our, our occupancy dropped. Sure. But we went from like 96 to 88. Yeah. <laughs> so rather than a, like a fourplex that's, you know, non-performing with, with nobody paying, it was, okay, our revenues are down. But on, even on that asset, we, we're, everybody's getting their promised distributions. It's done well. It's right back up at this point. So the, the resiliency um, on these larger properties for me is, is really attractive. Uh, again, just a, where you can just take such a beating um, and, and feel it more so on a, the smaller scale, these larger scales take a beating and just keep on humming. Yeah, that's right. There's just, re resiliency is the word. And that's, um, that's what we love. That's why we keep doing, keep playing right. this game. What are some of the things you've seen on the projects, um, that have had impact on the investments? I mean, multifamily stuff, if it's, if it's kind of value add stuff, it's fairly simple business plan, renovate some units, maybe rebrand, uh, tighten up operations, but are there some specifics that you've seen do well over the years on different projects that you, that, that we could talk about in terms of what, what, um, what happened on site to, to make the property uh, improve the NOI basically. Sure. You know, like that, that first one that I invested in passively, that was a deep value add play. There were some new construction elements. We were going to add a couple of uh, buildings to it. That construction process is what got hammered in by the, by the hurricane. Um, what has, what has gone well is the things that people like these days, especially here in Austin, some of these hip towns that keep on hearing about um, adding in some Amazon lockers, adding in on these ground floor units, we can go in and fence off some private backyards and people are going to pay a premium for those. Um, upgrading the clubhouse, of course, you're getting these things, these building out 
fine tuning and updating the, the, the those uh, shared facilities has been, um, you know, I think people just have these higher expectations these days of what an apartment complex is going to offer. Um, yeah, of course, you're going in there and upgrading the, the in-unit materials, um, freshening up the paint, the carpet, the, the cupboards and all that. Um, but the, the those, those, those nice little amenities, those nice to have, the, the private backyards, the dog park, up, you know, fine tune the pool area. Um, we've seen those proved to be uh, really attractive to, to additional tenants coming on board and helping us inc- increase that NOI. Yep. Yeah, that totally makes sense. There's There has been a shift towards more apartment living just as a lifestyle, I think, right. for, for a variety of reasons, whether it's a preference or difficulty in getting lending for single family. I mean, there's myriad reasons, but um, definitely a shift in the last couple of years, which is another reason we like like doing these types of deals. Um, what uh, what do you guys kind of focus on today in terms of what your what your business is looking for and what you guys are trying to do in 2021? Yeah, it's kind of a rinse and repeat. We've we, you know we've got this model that works, and so it's okay. We're not don't need to reinvent this. The model for us is not deep value add. I'm not attracted to those. You know, you, those opportunities, yes, those can be fantastic returns, but like I have learned on that first passive experience, those carry bigger risks. And so these are, you know, we're going into assets that are already performing and they're performing well. They're places that, you know, I wouldn't mind. I, I, maybe I couldn't say I wouldn't mind, but I could live there. They're, sure. they're fine. You know, these yep. are B, B minus kind of, kind of properties. And we're just going in there to fine tune the operations, improve the management, improve the marketing, um, take it from a 1990s carpet and uh, cupboard mix up to, to, to today. Um, and so that that formula is, you know, we, we need a value add opportunity. We certainly want this value add, but it's not going to be what, I, what I've been referring to as a deep value add. It's a, a shallow, a shallow value add. We just want to go in there and fine tune. A currently performing asset. Yeah, I, I love that sentiment. I think we, our firm has trended that way over the years. We've done some crazy stuff in terms of value add, and you can have some outsized returns there, but there's outsized sure. risk too. And as the one have, having kind of done that, there's a lot of heartache and just stress in doing that. And so, you know, there, there's an argument I think to be made and certainly the stuff we bought more recently is just bigger, cleaner, you know, where you still got opportunity to, to, to move rents, refresh, but if you can buy a property that's already stabilized and, and things are rocking and rolling, you've already got strong revenue and you're just going to increase that kind of incrementally over time and still hit the returns. Hey man, I mean, it's less, less risk and that's bottom line. It's less risk, right. For everybody right. involved. Yep. And you, and, and we're, Telling you know these are potential investors. You know they, they ask me. Uh, a, a potential investor asked me, "When should I expect my first return?" It's like, well, like a month after closing, because <laughs> it. yeah. it's a, you know, it's, a, it's an operating asset, and you're going to start to see these distributions right away. And then I think that when when potential investors hear that, I think it gets them excited. Of, you know, these are these are you've got a solid asset that you can go put your finger on, and there's a cash flow stream already today that we're going to take advantage of. Hundred percent. Yeah, people seem to really like those immediate distributions, and if you can, if you find a property that supports it, that's that's great. Right. What have you seen, uh, Brad, over the years? Kind of being in this business, you hear all the time that multifamily is a team sport. What have you? What are some of your experiences around partnering, around building a team that have kind of helped you? That maybe somebody that's not as far along listening might might benefit from around partnerships. 
Yeah, that, that's been one of my biggest lessons. I have generally approached real estate from a kind of a lone wolf approach. Yeah. Um, buying rentals, fix and flips. It's just been my wife and me. We've partnered with, you know, on some of those fix and flips, we partner with a general contractor, for example, but, and, you know, I sourced the deal, I funded the deal, et cetera. When I got, when I started looking at commercial real estate, I was trying to go, go you know, think, thinking that would be my approach, starting to talk to some brokers. And I got in just, I mean, just a few steps in and realized, holy cow, <laughs> this is definitely a team sport. It was apparent right away. Yep. I can't do all of this. It's big. Um, yep. You know, from finding the deal to, to operate, to, to communicating with the investors, managing the management, et cetera. I mean, it's just clearly, it's, it's, it's got to be a larger organization than just a, a dude, <laughs> a single dude out there trying to make it happen. I love um, it. That, that's a very good point. I talk to a lot of people that want to get started multifamily and just immediately, naturally, they say, well, I think where I'm at, you know, it's going to be a five unit to start. And, you know, this might be like a software engineer or like an attorney or something. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, you're taking your dollar per hour, which is pretty good. Right. Become a contractor and a property manager. Like it's kind of just a poor allocation of resources and people just can't get past that lone wolf mentality. And I, you know, I, I advocate going on bigger properties. My first multifamily is a six unit because I had the same mentality. You know, it's like, I got to run this. I got to do everything. The nice thing about these bigger projects is it, it forces you to, to be a team player because you just can't, it's too big. You can't, you can't do it all. Right. You, I was just like you, I was starting to look at eight plexes, 16 plexes, 32 plexes. You know, at that point I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's beyond my capital ability at that point. So, you know, I maxed out of that. But then, you know, it got, got understood that word a little bit more at a 16 unit, 32 unit, you can't afford on-site property management. Mm-hmm. So you're just dealing with the typical property manager, the same type of property manager that's going to handle a fourplex or a duplex and, you know, good, good and bad with that. But uh, it just means there's more direct involvement. And you're right. When you, when somebody looks at their hourly doll, you know, hourly earning capability, the best use of their time is not to be out there <laughs> managing these, these 32 unit, unit properties. So you jump up, you know, up to hundred, 150, 200. And yeah, you realize, okay, you know, this is, this is now something bigger than what I can handle. Partnering with somebody is, uh, gave me the confidence of like, we can, okay, we can go race for this. So, you know, I've, I've got a team here. I've, we, we've, I've got backup here. It's not just Brad out there trying to sell somebody on giving me a whole, a whole bunch of cash to go lock down a property and telling them, I'm going to manage this whole thing by myself. You're just not doable. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're not reinventing the wheel. You know, you're, you're working with teams that have, have executed before, not, you know, this is not some new concept. I see so many businesses and pitches and ideas. And it's like, this is like, people are trying new things, which is great. I, I applaud all the entrepreneurs out there making it go. I applaud uh, uh, Elon Musk for trying to get us to the, to Mars and everything. I love it, but there's just going to be so much failure and pain on, on those types of paths where, I don't know, I think of entrepreneurship and multifamily is kind of like we're painting by numbers. Like we, we have the, we have the thing, we just need to paint the colors and it's already (laughs) outlined for us. We just need to kind of repeat this business model. That's, that's already been established. It takes a lot of the guesswork and risk out of it. And you know, I'm not an artist, but I can trace as good as anybody. Yeah. (laughs) I can, I can certainly, I can certainly uh, connect the dots. Yeah. And for me, I learned that, you know, I, I went into college thinking I was smart and then I, you, you get there and you realize, oh man, I'm, I'm not very, I'm definitely not the smartest kid here. There's people way smarter than me. And I see some people who, who I went to school with, or now, especially in the tech scene now, they're just killing it with, um, with, with what they're doing. Clearly there's failures along the way. 
and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like for me, you know, that, that tech conversation, the last time I've worked in, you know, building a website was, I had, you know, we had to build an HTML website back in college days. Yeah. Nice. So, you know, it's just not going to be my strength. I'm not going to be, launch, be launching a, you know, a, a, a cool, sexy tech deal, but as far as real estate, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it really is not rocket science. It's pretty, pretty simple. Let, we'll let the Elon Musk deal with the rocket science. Real estate is pretty, you know, rinse and repeat good enough for kind of just average Joe's like me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love it. I want to kind of get your feedback on a couple of things. One is the, you know, now that you've been in the business for a while, you've seen some things, what, what would you say to that aspiring LP investor that, and by LP, I mean, limited partner, passive investor, somebody that just wants to put some money in a deal and let the team run it. Um, but they haven't done that yet. What would you say to that person kind of based on the experience you have now? Right. Yeah. That's, that's why I spent a lot of my days is, edu- is, is working with potential investors. And it is it, for me, such fun conversations to have for sure. Yeah. People are getting good returns in the stock market and they're curious about crypto these days, but they're still, everybody knows, most people know real estate is you want real estate in your portfolio. And you're talking to these successful individuals that are already doing well in their other, other endeavors. They want to be involved in real estate, but they might not be aware of any other opportunities other than just pick up a rental and deal with that craziness that you're going to have to deal with there. Um, and, and so you, but then it's just a matter of getting get the individual comfortable with what this opportunity is, the, the limited aspect of it, meaning limited control as well as limited liability. Sure. And, you know, for me, I'd, I'd say you just, you've got to get to know the team. The team comes first. What, how many cycles has this team been involved in? Um, what, what, what's been their track record? I would be nervous to go in with, with a team that this is their first deal. You might do that if that's your buddy, but otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm looking for an operator who, who is really experienced and has been through you know, a number of exits, et cetera. Um, so team comes first, then, it, then it's the, the deal and then it's in, in the market. You know, a, a, good, a good team can make up for um, some surprises, but it's really hard to overcome a, a, poor, a poor functioning team. Um, so team comes first. And then, you know, it's a, once you're, I think it's easier to find operators than most people expect. So it is worthwhile, just like in anything, go talk to multiple operators, get to know them, get to know their approaches, their styles, some like new developments, some like deep value add plays, others like shallow value add plays and talk to multiple. And it's fairly easy just, you know, searching Twitter, searching you know, Facebook, search Googling to find operators that are nearby you. So you can get, you know, talk to three or four. So you get to understand the different approaches um, before you commit funds to to any one of them. I love it. I love it. That's a great approach. I think it's easier than, than ever now to at least seek out people. And of course you got to be, you know, you got to get that education layer first. Right. Right. Um, And, and, and you, you can maybe dip your toe in the water without uh, writing a check to a million dollars or somebody, you know, you can start small on these types of projects see if it's a fit. One of the cool things I like about being a limited partner, a passive investor, I can be in a lot of deals. You know, you can, right. you can have geographic diverse. I, I love multifamily. I mean, I've made money in the stock market, lost money in the stock market. It's a crazy ride. I guess maybe if I need a, a gambling fix, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. But for like a long-term strategy, I don't really care for it personally, but right. to put limited part, you know, to be a limited partner in all these deals and all these different markets with all these different operators, super diversified, uh, and still be in yeah. real estate, still see kind of some of the benefits and still get all those K one losses every year and all the other, uh, all the other, you know, things we like to, uh, 
like about the, the space. Um, what would you say? Yep, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, people who have forgotten, the, you know, with, with the last 10 years of how strong the stock market has been, it's been phenomenal. We're killing it. But yep. people have forgotten you know, what, what it was like for the 60 and 65 year olds, the 55 year olds in 2007 when, the, when their portfolio got cut in half. Yep. And so, you know, I see that as my play money. I, you know, real estate is just not going to go anywhere. It's a hard asset. It's, it's, it has the infl- inflation resistance. I like having the tangible thing that's, that I can touch. Um, but yeah, same, same as you. I still invest in other people's deals. Um, I, I invested in my IRA, so I have to put those in other people's deals. And you know, for, for me, it's, I, I love it. It's just kind of a set and forget, and it just works. The, the, the distributions show up. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of making the real estate plays the, the main aspect of my uh, long-term plan. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, it just kind of works for all those, all those variety of reasons. You know, we're, we're looking for safety high returns and uh, some tax advantages. And I think you could find those individually in other investment vehicles, but it's tough to find all of that in one investment vehicle. Um, So that's, that's kind of the trifecta that we're all looking for. What do you, what's on the horizon? What's kind of on the next year for, for you guys and what you're, what you're looking forward to doing over the next year? Yeah. You know, 2021 is shaping up to be a a good year. We've already got two, two properties under contract. We're actually doing our first uh, fund this year, a multifamily fund. Excellent. And, and so that's been fun to, to raise for. It's, it's That approach has decreased our minimum investment threshold. Um, so we're looking to put five to seven assets in this single fund. Um, first property that's gone in there, we're now uh, closed on that one is in Atlanta. The next one's going to be in Jacksonville. Um, so th- it's going to be a, a, a year-long effort to get those seven assets into, five to seven assets into that into that fund. And we're raising a lot of dollars for that. So that's, you know, been putting the pedal to the metal to get the, in front of potential investors. But sure. I'm excited about the fund because it's, 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 you know, I think it, it'll kind of normalize some of our outcomes. Yes. Um, rather than, you know, we've knocking it out of the park on one and those investors are thrilled and we're doing a, you know, doing a, oh, not okay, but great on another. Um, I think it'll help all of our investors feel like they, they got, they took advantage of all the best potential returns that, that we were able to offer. So look, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing how that goes throughout this year. Yeah. And then you get some kind of baked in automatic diversification for everybody, right? Just right out of the exactly. gate <clears throat> instead of them having to look for, because even as a, a passive investor, you still got to kind of be on the hunt for sponsors and deals and, um, most sponsors have a first come first serve setup where if they've been around for a little while, they could put out a big deal. And, you know, if you miss the email while you're on vacation, you go back and check it. It's, it's probably gone. You know, right. it happens a right. lot. Um, so that's, I like it. You know, I like kind of that plug into that instant diversity, be across a number of deals, have a little bit more normalization on that. I love it. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. If somebody listening, Brad, wants to connect with you, learn a little bit more about your firm, about what's going on with, with multifamily, what's a good uh, avenue for them to do that? Yeah, best way to learn about us and see our track record and see or get to know our team a little bit is on, on our website, sugarhouseinvestments.com. That's the name of our company. It's a little throwback to our favorite neighborhood in Salt Lake City. I wonder um, what the origin of that was. Okay. <laughs> I, li- I like the name. Yeah. I like Sugar the House name. is the cool neighborhood in Salt Lake City, so which you, my wife and I really enjoyed. So that's yeah. where that came from. Cool. Cool. Perfect. Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you can click through and connect with, uh, with Brad and the team. And thank you, Brad, for coming on. I really enjoyed it. Hey, thanks a lot, Devin. Great talking with you. All righty. Take care. You too. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. 
If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects and you are not already on our list and in our portal, uh, you can go to the website, djetexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15-minute call with our team, answer any questions you have, and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven-module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. Uh, a lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review. That helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE Podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.